0: What's going on Bears fans as you know sports betting season is in full force right now which means you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for nearly three decades thriving and paying you the loyal customer. What's great about BetUS is they have loads of bonuses so join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS is all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. BetUS gives you options in addition to the NFL. You can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, the NBA, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. (laughs) What's up, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and if you're watching this podcast, obviously you see the one, the only, Mason West. And Mason, it's been a crazy Tuesday, and it's been a crazy Tuesday without a lot happening in terms of the Chicago Bears. Um, But before we dive into everything that did and didn't happen, how's your day going so
1: far? I had a pretty crazy day. Oh, well, like the news was more crazier than anything. Uh, did my my normal gig I, I do, and then I usually pop in uh, to Oak, Oak Park area to do a little side thing, and uh, that didn't happen because the power was off because a restaurant next door caught on fire. So uh, I spent the afternoon binge watching Young Justice and kind of sorting through what's been going on with the Bears.
0: Yeah, when you were you were texting me like, "Hey, uh, the place next to me." You know, it was on fire, I'm like, oh, and then I automatically thought, like, yeah, House Hall's kind of going through the same thing right now in terms of all this commotion and stuff. And, you know, I'm glad everything, you know, is all right, but well, maybe for, for the business next door, but um, let's just kind of get into what's what the heck has been going on here. And for anybody who follows the Bears and somehow didn't see everything, the new maybe it was a little hard to keep up because there's a bunch happening. Um To kind of start off here, Mark Conkle, who writes for Patch, um, you know, not, obviously not the biggest news organization, had a story come out today that Matt Nagy's last game coaching the Bears would be this Thursday's game after against the Detroit Lions. He, he wrote an article on it. He went on ESPN 1000, and, you know, it was Cap and Jay Hood kind of interviewing him initially. And here are just some of the quotes that came from Conklin. Uh, Conkle, sorry, uh, With in terms of Matt Nagy's status as the Bears head coach. He's like, I'm not like you guys. I'm not in the mix every day. I'm just going to tell you I have a really good source on this. I'm pretty confident that this is going to be his last game. Conkle uh, was also asked about was Matt Nagy, or he was one, surprised to get the phone call from his source. And then, again, he said, looks like this is going to happen. David Kaplan also asked him, If his source told him how Matt Nagy reacted to the news. And here's what Conkle said. It just seemed like it was one of those things where this is the reality. That is how it was displayed to me. So we have this news. Matt Nagy actually did speak to the media today. I unfortunately couldn't get in. I was scheduled to go. But there was a lot of people there because they were thinking, hey, Matt Nagy could be fired. uh, Or maybe announced that he'd be fired. And even if he was, I don't think he would have said it. But he did say that that was inaccurate; that the information, the report, was not correct. So Mason, we have this report. Then we have you know other reports, even the day before, about the the Bears, uh, the locker room being upset with Matt Nagy, just wanting him to be fired. We have everybody's you know wanting or thinking that Matt Nagy's going to be out, and obviously he's still the Bears' head coach today. What do you make of everything that has come out?
1: I Man, you said at the beginning. I mean, it's a whirlwind. It's hard to know what to believe, what not to believe. Um, it's one of those things, though. It, when there's smoke, there's fire. Normally, I mean, the, the NFL especially is not one of those places where you hear stuff like this and it just turns out there's no credence to it whatsoever. I mean, there might be some inaccuracies within it or or things of that nature. But normally, it's not just like someone lying. And it's, and it's not like just some random person on Twitter who's like, hey, like, yeah, I heard this thing and it grew from there. Uh, Mr. Conkle is a you know, Pulitzer prize winning person, you know, reporter, a writer, he, and this isn't something necessarily that you're just going to throw out there and just try to get clicks. Right. I mean, this is something that, like he said, it's, it's a reasonable, a reliable source that they got it from. He knew saying this more likely than not that this was going to cause a stir. Um, and, you know, like he said, he, he was surprised that he got the call. It wasn't like he was digging and, pulled it from someone and misconstrued something i mean there was a phone call that was made to him don't know why i mean obviously no you don't have some of the main beat writers that are reporting this you don't hear any of that um but and then if you're Matt nagy what are you gonna do i mean let's say you were told that like uh yep you're absolutely right i'm going out guns a blazing on on thursday y'all get ready like no i mean you're gonna say that isn't true or maybe he wasn't even told that specifically there's there's so much stuff up in the air with it but you have to believe that there's a chance that there's validity to it
0: that's a, that's where I'm coming from also, Mason. It's like, why would somebody like Mark Conkle, who is one, like, if he's looking to get fame on social media, he's an older guy. It's like, that's one, that's that seems a little odd to me. And also, he is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Like, that's the highest prestige you can get as a journalist. It's like, I think if he's hearing this, there's obviously some belief to it. He wrote a whole article about it. It's not like this guy is a um a a sports writer it's it's there they must have believed again he liked what the source told him in terms of the information and shared it and he also went on six seventy score and and shared that information but now let's kind of go into to mason how the bears handled the situation right they they had chris Tabor go up there first which i think was just an odd decision for him because you know media members are going to ask about that are what are you hearing and and that's just not fair on Chris Tabor. But obviously, as of right now, 643 central time of this recording, there hasn't been a statement from the Chicago Bears. What are your thoughts on that? Should the Bears have issued a statement saying that Matt Nagy's job, job is you know safe? Or are you, yeah, just kind of what are your thoughts on the Bears, how, how the Bears handled all of this news that may or may not be true?
1: So that's one of the interesting things. I think you have to go back and look at how the Bears tend to handle stuff. We complain about it all the time. They are very low-key, very secretive in the first place. Like Ryan Pace only talks, what is it, twice a year, really? Yeah. It's, so it's not like he comes out and says stuff consistently. Uh, but this isn't something small where it's like, Hey, there's a rumor that Antonio Brown is available. Are you going to sign him? Or like, you know, Odell Beckham was obviously the more recent one. You don't need Brian Pace. You don't need George McCaskey to come out and say anything about those situations. But when it's something as large as this right now, which I would consider to be large that, Hey, the, that this, that Nagy's a dead man walking and you're going to, you know, you've already handed him his bank slip. That might be something that you do come out and, and make a statement on. I mean, now that's, tough though um when do you do something like that and we were talked before even when we popped on there's a, a decent article written by kevin fishbane where he referred to uh back in december 2016 when they were talking about is bill pulling going to be in a consultant role and then uh it wasn't until january 4th where mccaskey like came out and said there's no truth to this whatsoever so there was some time in between it wasn't like all of a sudden mccaskey dove on to you know the bare social media page and give a quote or something like that so you have to potentially there could be something coming tomorrow or whatever the case may be but I, I do think it's odd that there's as much silence as there is the way they did it like you said having Chris Tabor go out first and then you have uh, Matt and Nagy go out um, their Alan Robinson uh, press conference was weird in terms of because he wasn't scheduled to go on but mm-hmm. because of where some of the, the rumors were about dissent in the locker room coming from uh, his podcast, mate, where they talk about basketball. He felt the need to step up and say, Hey, this is, a, you know, I'm not a part of this. If I, if, if I believe something, I'm going to say, keep say it off my chest kind of a thing. So there's just a lot of oddity going on there. Um, and like I, we started the show with kind of the same thing when there's smoke, there's fire. Why would the bears come out and say something if there was truth to it? Um, and if there isn't truth to it, isn't, then, yeah, they pro- at least the, the thing, like, I don't know, their social media teams shooting out, like, we you know, we stand behind Nagy. Nigg- they did it with Danny Dalton sending out QB1. I mean, that pissed everybody off, I remember. <laughs> I mean, like, so if we're going to do it there, wouldn't you do something today? Yeah, was, I don't know.
0: Yeah, my thoughts on this. One, I, I like how Allen Robinson kind of approached that. If the Bears organization was more like being direct and forward, you wouldn't have all this speculation. We probably wouldn't even be talking about this because it would have been addressed. But here's the thing if the bears did issue a statement that this is not true because again, the report just isn't true. They don't want to give weight to it. And you need to focus on Detroit in a couple of days. I get that. But if the bears feel like, Hey, let's issue a report that or issue a statement saying, Hey, Matt Nagy's job is safe. And then you fire him two weeks later. That looks, I think just a little dumb on their part because you just issued a statement on this report that maybe was or wasn't true. And then if the bears consist, you know, keep on losing, they're on a five game losing streak. Now, you know, maybe it reaches to seven, eight, what, who knows? And you're, you're just fed up with Matt Nagy, fire him. It's like, well, he just issued a statement that his job was safe. So I could see why the the bears are like, well, we don't, we're not, we're not saying that he's going to get fired on after Thursday's game, but Hey, give us a, a week or two. Maybe that's the case, even though the bears have never fired a coach during the season in their, in their long tenure. So I could see that side of it, but you would, as an employee and knowing that the report isn't true, would like to see your higher ups even just back you up. But I, I can, I could see why the bears didn't issue a report. I could see why people think that the bears mishandled it by not, um, you know, saying something publicly. But that's that's where that's where this current situation is at with the Bears. It's like there is, I believe, it may not happen on Thursday, but I do think that where Matt Nagy's job status is at, all the all the talk now, like everybody's, just, it just seems like there's something coming out of Matt Nagy the locker room that eventually, at some point, is going to happen where Matt Nagy is no longer the Bears head coach and the Bears will be on you know their search for the next one you you know we talked about this what a couple days ago about the new rule that's in place with the nfl mason you did a great job of highlighting what exactly that is but they could do some searching within the season if there is a you know a, a position if the position is available for the bears for that head coaching spot so that's where the bears are at there's a lot of talk there's no no action being taken place and i guess you know, I'm not expecting anything to happen on Thursday in terms of coaching status. What about you?
1: I don't, I mean, again, we've said this before the bears have never fired someone in season. Um, That's just not how they roll. Uh, I mean, McCaskey's made that statement before they like to look at the end of the season, look at all their data, but whatever that, you know, they need to look at outside of the terribleness um, and then go from there. So I wouldn't expect it. Um, And to add on to what you said, I mean, you're also you have to remember you're also playing the Lions, which we'll get into a little bit in here in a second. So it's also you know very possible that you're going to win this game. So are you really going to go in there, beat up on the Lions who haven't won? They they only have a tie in terms of not being the loss uh, column, and then still fire Nagy? Like that would be tough to do. Um, and they like him; they really do. You know, he's a nice guy. He they respect him as a person. So you know, to fire around the holiday. I, potentially after a win like it's all of those things just make it seem so unlikely but then to reflect like you said if you're gonna straight up refute it and you, you let him go after a week because you got the cardinals coming up after you know after that you know are you really gonna be like oh yeah you can go back on it I mean, it's it's too messy i, I think at that point to, to do it
0: yeah and like honestly if you were gonna fire him after thursday why do you even let him get into this week for, I, I get it i get it like it's a short turnaround but Going to just happen immediately after Sunday's game? If you're having those thoughts and if you're like riding on emotion, if that's what this decision is, riding off the emotion of last Sunday's loss to the Ravens, I would think like, hey, it happens there. But who knows? We'll see what happens with these reports if they're true. But I think again, where this is trending is that it doesn't look like Matt Nagy is going to be the Bears' head coach for for much longer. I just don't think it happens immediately after the game on Thursday against the Detroit Lions. And that's where we're going to take this discussion, Mason, because we're on a short week and, you know, now it's time to preview another opponent week 12 on the road, Thanksgiving against the 0-9-1 Lions. Like everything seems bad here in Chicago. And then you just look at the Lions and there's, you know, the record and things like that. And you're like, yeah, it is bad here in Chicago, but hey, it's not much better or it's worse there in Detroit. So it kind of started off mason and i think this we could like the initial perception of the team i can almost copy and paste every single time i see the lines but you hear the detroit lions mason what's the first thing you think of
1: Uh, i mean now it's just you know inept um (laughs) the first matchup was so different i mean it is because it was early in the season too but you know dan campbell the coaching staff they have there overall is actually i feel like a really solid coaching staff and uh they were definitely a Team that played everyone hard and continues to play everyone hard, but 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 inept. You know, Campbell now has multiple times called out Jared Goff specifically. I mean, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future there by any stretch of the imagination. But to just be as blatant as he is about it is tough. You look at their there's the depth they have or lack thereof. I mean, across the board, there's not there's not a lot there. Um, they're similar to the Bears and like, you know, that they're owned by an older family, you know, it's been passed down and it's like, are they even being run by the right family that's going on there? Like, do they know how how to (laughs) run a football team at this point in time? Their savior was just having Stafford there holding them up. And once that was gone, it was just like a downhill from there. It's at least the Bears have options going forward. As of right now, the Lions are just, as we tend to always say, the Lions. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a the perfect way to just wrap that up there, Mason. And the, I'll say the one other thing the Lions I guess do have is they do have some draft picks. But the Bears have what looks like their franchise quarterback of the future. While the Lions are still going to be searching for that, like you said, uh, Jared Goff doesn't seem to be the answer. And you know he didn't even play last week against Cleveland Browns. I was I was a man named
1: is it Tim Tim Boyle? <laughs> Tim Boyle used to he was the backup for Aaron Rodgers last year.
0: That's right. That okay, so that's why there's some familiarity there in the NFC North. So again, the initial perception of the Detroit Lions, but now let's talk about Mason this this Bears offense. Even a couple days removed from the game, and I unfortunately watched the, you know the Bears Ravens last night, and it's just so many head scratching decisions in terms of what the Bears were or were not doing. I Went back and just kind of watching those offense the 30 offensive snaps that Justin Fields played one, one of those snaps was where he was actually on the move outside the pocket and through a play through a pass. And the one time he did it it's a 29 yard completion to Darnell Mooney down the right sideline. No other times did you see that type of play against the Baltimore Ravens. And we talked about this on the post game podcast. This is after coming off a of bye week, but also a successful second half against Pittsburgh Steelers where you got Justin outside the pocket, and he was making plays. The Bears did it once. I I know they didn't have a lot of offensive snap, I and mean, Justin Fields didn't play the entire game. But why? I just don't understand what is wrong with trying to get your your franchise quarterback, your guy, in a position that he likes being outside the pocket and throwing on the move. Just didn't make sense to me, Mason.
1: I mean, it's it's a really a whirlwind of. Just questions about that, right? We have said, what is the identity of this team? If you had to put stamp on it, I mean, you look at other teams, you look at the Ravens, you're like, all right, well, they're a run first, and they're a, they're a Lamar Jackson-driven team. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's like, okay, well, we know that they're a big, explosive play team. You look at, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you, the list goes on. I mean, even, like, teams that aren't great, you can at least say, like, this is what they want to try to do. Um, yes. But the Bears, you can't really do that. And then you layer on top of it – like we said, there was the questions like, where were the tight ends that last game? It was very confusing, and I, I could have swore I was like, well, they must have not had them on the field. Um, it's hard to necessarily track formations, like, but you can track personnel. Mm-hmm. Like they were sometimes starting the eye, and they would roll out uh, a tight end and maybe holes and Montgomery out of the backfield. Tonight you're empty, but you can't really track that very easily. But if you look at personnel, like for example, we keep going back to the Steelers game, like, oh, you know, Justin, we we saw growth. Why couldn't you do what you did there? And at least personnel-wise, right, they were in 12 personnel, so uh, one running back, two tight ends, 19% of the time. And I was like, okay, well, it must have been less in this game. Actually, it was more at 29%, which blew me away. It, it made very little sense. But then if you flip it and you look at just some of the people, Jakeem Grant pretty much got all of his snaps with Justin Field and never saw the field again when Dalton went in. <laughs> I believe Graham was on for one snap when Field was in, but then had... I believe it was like 11 snaps when Dalton was in. So there is a bit of a contrast in terms of how you're handling these two players. But at the same time, like you just said, you're not going full in for fields. You're not moving the pocket as much, even if you are using more, you know, to to, to, personnel as i just talked about um you aren't necessarily using the same types of rpos and nagy went, talked about that he said that the screen pass to mooney was an rpo so mm-hmm. how much of it falls on justin is justin getting to that read right i mean because we've seen we saw in that game he actually seemed like he was kind of pulling it a lot he was trying to get out of the pocket himself a little quick try to create his own mobility maybe he wasn't getting to that read it's hard to say without us knowing the exact play call and design and that's why it's hard to find that balance of who's the most at fault is it negi for the the entirety of what the offense is is it laser for as laser talked about not getting fields in a rhythm is it is it justin for not reading the field fully correctly or you know getting a little skittish which i don't blame him when you're getting you know hit as quickly as he did for a couple like on that fumble we talked about so there this is a multi-layered conversation that you can't just point a finger and say okay that's the answer
0: no, exactly. And that's um a good way of putting it because the Bears have a lot of problems. And you just it, it would be impossible to say if we just fix this, oh, you fix the Bears, the Bears offense. That's not that's never gonna be the situation with the current staff and how things are kind of constructed there for, for Justin Fields and this offense to operate. But when I look at like zero targets for Cole Komet, like how do how do you how do you justify that? And again, going back to the play action rollouts. Things of that nature, not utilizing David Montgomery more in this game. When, like we said in the post-game show, he should have been. There's just a disconnect with what the Bears. I think, like I think, collectively, a lot of people think they should be doing, and what the Bears organization itself, the offensive, offensive minds in there, believe is best for the team to win a game. It just seems like there's a huge disconnect there, and that's why the Bears are where they are. Only scored the 13 points were scoreless in the first half over three on third downs just never gone to a rhythm that all plays a factor into it it's you know they're fortunate though they're playing they're they're going to play an offense on the other side in detroit that seems to be having a lot of the same issues in terms of creating a rhythm scoring points and you know obviously with with tim boyle that there's a lot of those things um don't happen even with jared goff it doesn't happen but mason in terms of this offense when, you, when you're thinking, of, it's going to be Thanksgiving and things to be thankful for. What do you want to say you would be thankful for if this happened on Thursday with Andy Dalton as the quarterback, as Matt Nagy said today, Andy Dalton will be the starter for the game against Detroit. But is there anything that you want to see in your and you will say after the game, I'm thankful that the Bears at least did that?
1: Oh, boy, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Here's the we already know they can run the ball. Like, I don't, so I don't need to see Dan Montgomery have a giant game. I know Khalil Herbert can run the ball. I mean, obviously, you know me, I've been preaching that since the beginning. And as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, we don't think that this coaching staff will be there. So I don't need them to show, hey, we're willing to now hand the ball to Herbert as well. Just save that for whoever's going to be here next that they can split up those carries. It goes back to, you know, some of those weapons that we know will in fact be here at least next year. So we know Darnell Mooney is going to be here. We know Cole Komet's going to be here and it kind of stops there. So if I can see those two players, right, elevate their games against an inferior opponent, and that's putting it lightly or should be, that's what you want to see. You know, last game, Darnell Mooney had 16 targets and five receptions. Now, a lot of that fell also on the quarterbacks. Some of those passes were not catchable. As lauded as Dalton was at times by the, you know, field should sit crowd, some of those passes were gross. Like I mean, some of them were just not even catchable or anywhere near where they needed to be. So let's not make Dalton out to like to be this amazing thing. Um, but some of that falls on Mooney, too. You know, I've, I've talked about some of the drops. Um, there was one play in particular. I mean, it was something tough. The ball was down. Mooney slid. It hit him right, you know, in the gut, and he, and he drops the ball. So he needs to step up in that respect. Cole Komet. He barely, he didn't even he got two targets in that game. Like it's so it's hard even for me to be that mad at him, but is he creating separation? That would be probably my biggest thing. Um is, is he able to use that big body to create a window that Dalton in theory is gonna throw into? And honestly, and this isn't what I'll be thankful for. If anything, I'm gonna be annoyed by this, to be quite honest. So I'm gonna go the opposite for one second. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and the offense looked good. Like, if Dalton is just boom, 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 because we saw that in the Bengals game, right? He was actually looking great until, you know, he got hurt. So, in terms of, I wouldn't be surprised if he does the exact same thing again against a not great opponent. And we've kind of come to the conclusion that Dalton's what Nagy's kind of wanted all along and has forced his hand into playing fields because Dalton got hurt. So that's going to make a headache because now all of a sudden you're going to have all these people that come out of the works and say Fields is terrible and, it, it, you know, it's it was going to get to the point where Fields is back, ready to come back. Is he the starter? Good news is Nagy was pressed on it today and he was like, Fields is number one, Dalton is number two when they're healthy. So at least there's that.
0: There is that. And, you know, thank you for the correction, too. I don't know why I said Colcomat had zero targets he had two he had one reception i think i just kind of forgot about that but i think now for me to kind of answer my own question what i'd be thankful for uh if i saw separation being you mentioned separation being created from everybody on that offense we haven't seen that necessary we haven't seen that consistently enough from these wide receivers from these tight ends to, to not that any dalton needs it to make completions but we need to see it out of them too they're part of why this this flow this chemistry is not there offensively you create that separation you make those throwing windows a little easier to throw into but i think you mentioned it too with you want to see darnell mooney like we, we we had the question like is darnell mooney a number one and even whatever he shows against detroit lions on thursday that won't you know for me say like yeah he's going to be a number one wide receiver but you would like to see him make those catches like the one you're referring to you would like to see cole commit be a bigger part of the offense you would also like to see This offensive line for the guys that will be here next year, like a Larry Borum, James Daniels, most likely. I don't know about Sam Musfer if he's going to be here next year. Cody White here, though, yes. Like those guys hold their own against a Detroit pass rush that, you know, is not as good as the Baltimore Ravens. So those are things I would like to see offensively just so again it makes our day a little easier like this is on thanksgiving it's it's a great day i i love thanksgiving i love everything about it the bears can ruin that just because of you know who they are and how they can play so it'd be nice to see i guess a little bit of a rhythm um but mason is there any any final thoughts that you want to talk about on this pair's offense again very bad showing just a couple days ago against the baltimore ravens at home any kind of last thoughts or anything that you want to touch on this offense.
1: So just to add on to that wide right receiver conversation, um, and I I'll bring the defense into this because it's kind of the same topic. I want the rest of the year to be what do we have? So I'm annoyed that Coulter got brought up last game and I believe he got one snap. I don't understand why Rodney Adams doesn't get some run. Like, for example, if Allen Robinson can't go, I want to see Rodney Adams, just out of curiosity, what can he do? Uh, if if it's not him, what is Daz Newsome going to look like? Because as you asked, is Mooney a wide receiver one? And let's look at the free agents that are available next year. Number one at the top of the list is going to be Devontae Adams. I mean, he man, you have to pay him a ton of money, so like that's a pipe dream. Um, then you have number two on that list is Allen Robinson. Most Bears fans probably don't want him back, to be completely honest. At least from what we've seen, and Allen Robinson surely doesn't want to come back here, not knowing what the heck's going to look like. Then you got Chris Godwin, and then these are the rest of the names. Will Fuller, Jameson Crowder, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green. I'm going to stop there because now it's it's just getting worse and worse. Like, there's not even necessarily someone going to grab and pull in who's going to elevate your passing offense that much unless you get one of those top two, three guys. So you need growth from within, which we talked about in the preseason when we did our, you know, training camp stuff and everything like oh yeah we're gonna get so much better robinson's gonna step up moon's gonna step up think about what god's gonna bring we didn't see that can we see that from some of these passing threats and unfortunately some of them are stuck on the practice squad festering away because the the coaches can't do that right now and we know why they can't do that
0: no it's a good point like demir bird why why is he still even on the 53 man roster in terms of what what he he doesn't do anything. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Um, all right, Mason, I, I really don't have anything to add to the offensive discussion. We'll see what kind of unit comes out there on third. I was about to say Sunday, but on Thursday behind QB one for now in and Andy Dalton with Justin Fields being out with that rib injury. So before we talk about the defense, have to tell you about our partnership with Owen. If you're like me, going to the gym is a crucial. Part of my schedule. It's a place to let loose and just decompress, like I did once I was trying to listen to all the Matt Nagy news today. And after a great workout, it's important to give your body the amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why I drink Owen. That's right, Owen, only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant based protein company, and all of their products are plant based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen friendly. Plus, Owen uses high quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible. We've all had that protein shake that just makes you want to go to the bathroom immediately afterwards. Owen doesn't do that. Um, And I really like their dark chocolate protein shake that has 20 grams of protein. Again, that's my personal favorite. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who does follow a plant-based diet. You can get 20% off your first purchase with code TCA20 at liveOwenOWYN.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveOwen.com. And remember to use that code TCA20. Join me, the Chicago Audible and Justin Fields in try Owen. Only what you need. I'm Nicholas Moriano, and I'm here alongside Mason West previewing this week 12 matchup between the Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions. And now we're going to talk about that. Bears defense that for the second game in a row has given up a lead with less than two minutes left in the game. And last week was arguably it was worse than what happened against Pittsburgh because it happened with a backup quarterback in, in Tyler Huntley leading the Ravens down to beat the Bears by a score of 16-13. to 13. Mason, are do you think this – with the Detroit Lions being the opponent on Thursday – is this is this an opportunity for a bounce back game for for the for the bears defense just with what's on that side of the ball for the detroit lions is this a bounce back opportunity do you think
1: i mean i don't know i mean if you went and played pickup basketball against a bunch of fifth graders and you beat them are you (laughs) are you feeling really good about yourself all of a sudden i mean and it's still a professional sports team let's be real right i mean if you took the detroit lions and you know this is one of those things if you took like one of the worst teams in the NFL and put them on against one of the best teams in college football who would win that like that's always a debate that goes on at the end of the day it's a still a professional football team so you see, there's still and there's still good a couple of players here and there across from you that that's good there are some players that need to step up not just necessarily for their future as a bear but their future in the NFL and you know we talked about for example Kendall Vildor and we kind of threw him under the bus. But then Robert Quinn took that bus and reversed over him. And then Matt Nagy took that bus and drove over him again. Like, he got <laughs> called out by, I think then Desai got involved. Like, they got, he got called out by everybody, uh, especially that one of those last plays where Sammy Watkins cut it caught it up the sideline and looked like Bush was the closest person. But turns out it was a communication error, most likely between Vildor and, I believe, Marky Christian because Duke Shelley went out. If I'm the Lions and I'm trying to make myself feel good, because what do they have to lose? I mean, they're probably going to just go right there, right? Why would you not attack a Kindle Vildor? They're going to be playing their butts off. They have nothing to lose but, but, but to be a spoiler, but to put, you know, more sadness in into a division <laughs> rival. So could it be a bounce back? Potentially, but what are you bouncing back to? Like you're have Just a little bit of happiness, I guess, like because Roquan Smith and and Robert Quinn can feel good because you know their efforts are rewarded with a win. Um, but so to answer your question, not I don't know if you're if you're a professional football player win that game and you feel better about anything. You know, what?
0: yeah, it's a it was a loaded question because it's the Detroit Lions. But I, you know, the message would be after the game: Hey, we went out there, we executed, we we still beat. You know, like you said, an NFL team. But I think the Bears the Bears defense needs to. To be completely honest and, and blunt with it, they need to have a bounce back game and show that they can be a team that can make it tough for an opposing team to score and also just fix the mistakes that we've been consistently seeing. Like, you know, Kendall Vildor is a liability. What are you going to do? And there's only so much you can do, to be completely honest, to mitigate what an opposing team can do to capitalize on that liability that you do have. And so we need to see what Sean Desai can do. We really need to see that because you, we talked about it on the, again, I'll reference the post game show. He is on a downward trend. He really is. And like you mentioned it a lot, Mason, it's like, what have we really seen from Sean Desai? And actually, so what came out from yesterday's game, like the bears did blitz an uncharacteristically, a a lot amount of times in that game against the Ravens, which is not the bears. So we asked, we talked about in the preview show for the Ravens game is Sean decide willing to do that to try and put his team in the best position possible. He did, but when you blitz as often as, as, as the bears did against the, the Ravens on Sunday, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, you do leave guys like Kendall Vildor on islands. You leave them one-on-one for more opportunities when that's the case. It's like, you need to know your personnel. Like Kendall Vildor has not been playing good football you got to give some help to him, that side, because as we saw at the end of the game, the Ravens exploited that, were able to march down the field effortlessly with less than two minutes left in the game and won it with a touchdown. They needed a touchdown to do so. It wasn't a field goal. Like, (laughs) like just make sure people remember that. They marched down and scored a touchdown and did so primarily by targeting that side where Kendall Vildor was playing. So we really need to see a bounce back game. I believe from Sean Desai, from a schematic standpoint, but just like you said, individual players. But there were some, some, some effort, a really good effort from from some guys. Like you mentioned, a Roquan Smith, a Robert Quinn. Like a, Eddie Goldman's been a guy that he showed some plays, uh, showed some flashes in that game against the Ravens. So that was, you know, great to see. When we look at this, I guess, this defense to Mason. What what is it that you I, I guess we we know what we want to see in terms of individual players, but is there other guys too as well? Because you're you're obviously without Khalil Mack, you're now a who you're you're not gonna have. I don't think you're gonna have Eddie Jackson for this one either. So you're seeing more of uh, DHC uh, and and Dion Bush guys like that. And man, Dion Bush got there was the one rung by uh, Tyler Huntley going I think towards the left sideline, and he just Moved inside like it wasn't like a I guess a good move by any means it was just it was effortless just cut inside and Deion Bush was uh in the Bears sideline and Tyler Huntley was still going forward getting yards but are there any other players that you would like to see make plays to actually show up in this game against Detroit
1: yeah um I would say a couple of those low-key players like uh Travis Gibson He's another one I would like to see step up. Um, Jalen Johnson, I would like to really put a mark on. Uh, he's someone that's, when you get a microphone in front of him, he's been pretty vocal about his own game, uh, but also about, I think, the defense and the team as a whole. You know, strong opinions that are to- that are valid based on how the team has performed as a whole. But, you know, at the same time, I would like to see a little bit more out of them. I believe he has one interception on the year. And for a while, he was, you know, doing quite well in terms of pass breakups, but that's fault. That's faltered a little bit. Um, After that, I mean, there's the obvious guys also, you know, you, you have the Roquans and all that of the world, which they're going to do their job. They're going to be here next year. Don't worry as much about them. Um, And and this is the same on the defenses as on the offense. Unfortunately, some of the guys you might want to see what they could do. Aren't necessarily in the place. Like I'm still really curious on Thomas Graham. I feel Mm -hmm. like, he's an interesting player, but unfortunately he's in the practice squad. Um, and then Sean Desai, like you said, Sean Desai truly is, what are you going to do? I actually uh, found the number. Um, they let they went up to 38.2% blitzing. So they did change wow. it p- pretty substantially. I mean, they doubled because they were at 16% uh, for the year. So Desai showed that he's willing to adjust on that, but at the end of the day, like if you're Sean Desai, can you, can you have a lead in the fourth quarter and protect the lead? Right. So in theory, it shouldn't even get to that. In theory, you should be beating the lines by two to at least two scores. Uh, But if you're not, can you, you know, if it's a one score game, can you not let them march down and and win the game on you?
0: You know, if it's a one score game and Detroit has a ball, despite how bad they've been playing all game, I'm, I'm almost kind of, and let's say it is a, you know, a touchdown they would need. I'm like, I'm almost expecting like something to happen where the Bears give it because that's all we've seen in the past two weeks. And the defense doesn't know how to stop somebody, you know, despite not having much time on the clock and having a lead. So um, we'll see if, if that's a scenario come Thursday. Another guy that you didn't mention that, you know, has just been non-existent lately, Bilal Nichols. And that was a guy that uh, I thought, you know, after especially his rookie season, and 2019 was a little weird year because obviously he was kind of, or 2020 was a weird year because he was playing Eddie Goldman's spot and that wasn't where he wanted to see him. So this is supposed to be a, a, a year where we kind of see his true potential and man, 98 has been quiet. He has been quiet this season. So we'd like to see if maybe he can make his presence felt on, on Thursday against the Detroit lions. Mason, again, Any final thoughts about this bears defense kind of having a quicker show today. If you guys can't tell, um, quick turnaround and (laughs) who's, uh, based off some of the comments it's like, just fire everyone. So people are kind of already looking, you know, a little bit past week 12, but any, any final thoughts on this bears defense?
1: I guess I, I would have a question for you. What did you think of the move that the bears did today uh they signed i signed Marcus hunt to the active roster they pleased duke shelley on ir and then they signed brian johnson one of my favorite players from the summer who i wanted the bears to trade for a draft pick uh yeah what do you think about some of those moves
0: so with duke shelley going to ir i'm curious who how, i'm curious about the whole cornerback rotation now yeah because with how Kendall vildor has been playing and i know Artie burns wasn't he wasn't active for sunday's game like what's What's going to be the rotation, I guess? So I'm curious about with the IR, with Duke Shelley going on IR, what does that do to mix things up? Is it going to be Xavier Crawford coming in? Uh, if Ari Burns is healthy, does he make an appearance somewhere? Is Kendall Vildor? Like, that's what I'm kind of curious about to see because I think obviously the biggest liability right now is Kendall Vildor. Now you got to find your nickel spot. It's like, man, the Bears, um they just can't catch a break there. But what what about you?
1: I always I, I like Marcus Hunt as a person in general. I mean, he was a funny guy on hard knocks uh, a good story too on hard knocks when he was on there for, man, I think it was the Bengals uh, one year, but the Duke Shelley one was really the most interesting thing of that. All jokes aside. I mean, I do like Brian Johnson. I think he's a good kicker and needs to, and the bears could flip him for something. But the Duke Shelley thing is really the biggest thing. Like you said, what do you do there? You could, Cause you're now missing a slot the way they played, Against the Ravens, they had Shelley a lot on, you know, playing the tight end position. And that was early on where uh, Huntley was going, was really throwing at Mark Andrews. And Shelly was just getting dominated um, at that point. So you have some options. Like you mentioned Xavier Crawford. You know, you mentioned Marquis Christian. Uh, I mentioned Thomas Graham, who has just been shunned to the practice squad. You mentioned Artie Burns, who could be a really interesting corner if he's given the shot. Because, you know, he was a first round pick, did okay with the Steelers obviously you don't let a first round pick go if he's stellar so there's there's a problem there that rotation what you do there is it going to be almost a Trouty kind of thing are they going are they going for the win and they pick someone that they're really really confident in do they change their rotation then you have DeAndre Houston Carson playing some weird slot hybrid and you you know end up putting T's Tabor up at safety just to try to patch some of those holes it'll be interesting
0: no, it definitely will be. And, yeah, Marquis Christian, a guy that – I think he had a couple of snaps in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. So that might be – and that was a guy in training camp who mixed into that role in the slot. So that could be someone that they just put in there and you keep Vildor out there and you kind of run the same old story. We'll see how that goes with communication too. That's That's going to be a thing, Mason. They had communication errors with the core unit they've been running for a while. Now add in a new slot corner. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. So if there's busted coverages on, you know, Thanksgiving, and what, didn't we see that happen? Was it a couple of Thanksgivings ago? Like where, um, man, was it Kenny Galladay? Or it was just a deep touchdown from the backup quarterback. I, I believe that was on Thanksgiving. or Maybe it wasn't on Thanksgiving, but I felt like that happened uh, against the Detroit Lions. And you're like, oh, this that's so bears having a blown coverage. But maybe I'm just... Remembering something that didn't happen. I have no idea. All right, uh, we're gonna go to our X Factor, and we'll go to a backbreaker for this game too. But X Factor, we'll we'll each do one. Mason, uh, I'll give you whichever one you want. What's what is your X? Which X Factor do you want to do, and what is it?
1: I'm actually going to recycle my X factor on it's really a combination. It's offense and defense um, that we did the last time we played the Lions, And I think it's just as relevant, if not more so now uh, in that last matchup, I talked about the difference in coaching, right? You have Dan Campbell, who is a real locker room guy, has called out Jared Goff, oddly at times, not necessarily the best move, but you know, it's not like Jared Goff is going to be their long-term answer either, but the Lions play hard, you know, but they really do. Um, and then you have a really interesting coaching staff, Assistant head coach running by Coach Duce Staley, who I think is phenomenal. Anthony Lynn is an offensive coordinator who I think got, you know, bad rap when he was in the, with the Chargers. Uh, ex-quarterback in Mark Brunel. Aaron Glenn, who's someone who, he was the same secondary coach and a head of coach candidate last year. He's the, the DC out there. Uh, so senior defensive assistant is Dom Capers. It's just a really nice combination of coaches. They get their players to play hard. And that's what a game on a short week where there's all these distractions and all this things, stuff going on that's what it comes down to is can the coaches put their players in the best position to win the game for the lions. This game is just as important as it is for the bears, but they're not in, you know, in this weird spot where they have to have to win like a Nagy and all the rest of his coaches are. So that coaching, how they motivate, not just motivation, but how they do it is going to be very important.
0: Those are good points, Mason. My X factor is can the bears silence all the noise that's been happening? This is a Tuesday where it seemed like Hell's Hall was burning down in terms of Matt Nagy's job stats. The locker room is going out. And so can they silence that noise by having a clean football game on a short week against a division rival in the Detroit Lions? So the penalties, the miscues, the miscommunication, can you limit that against an? Like you don't want to leave the Detroit Lions just kind of in the game. Because they've actually been in some close ones. They almost beat the Ravens. It was a 10-13 game against the Cleveland Browns a week ago on, on Sundays. Like, Can you just limit those things that you could take care of with miscommunication, those pre-snap penalties, coming out of halftime in the first play is a false start? Can you limit those? That would be an X factor for, for me and the Bears in this matchup against the Detroit Lions. Now we'll go to a pivotal matchup, and I'll start here. I'm going to go with... And look, if it doesn't happen, that's quite all right. I'm going to go with Pene Sewell versus Robert Quinn as a pivotal matchup because right now we have seen that Robert Quinn can get to the quarterback. He is somebody that is doing everything right in terms of effort, bending around the edge and making plays. We're not really seeing that from many of the other guys. And with no Cleo Mack, it's going to be important that Robert Quinn is the guy that can really create pressure. And he was able to get... You know, a, he did a pretty good job on the rookie in the first matchup where Penny Sewell had a couple, or had a false start, gave up a sack, and where he was able to beat him around the edge and get to, at the quarterback at the time, Jared Goff. So that's my pivotal matchup for this one is Robert Quinn against Penny Sewell and creating that pressure on what I think what reports are saying, like Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback in this one, I, I believe. But if it's not Tim Boyle, whoever it is, it's going to be Robert Quinn Verse um penny still at that left tackle position what about you mason
1: oh man and it's funny i'm literally right now looking at the lions defense and <laughs> it's not there's nothing that sits out to you it's like oh man that's a gamer that's a baller watch i mean it's far, it's probably in the middle again you know brockers is still a decent player i mean mm-hmm. it's more more name recognition at this point kind of a, a guy but he's still good um And and we know that there's a question mark at at, Sam Musfer looking ahead at some point, you only have so much money, you only have so many draft picks, the Bears won't have a first round pick to fill some of the gaps that you have. And so some of these players that, you know, fans are rallying raging against are going to be back at least in a competition mode, you know, maybe not handed the starter job. So you know, if you're going to re- replace, for example, your slot and your seat cornerback two, and you're going to get one, two receivers, you're probably going to have to keep your center, at least have him, you know, maybe battling against a fifth or sixth round pick. So, you know, I would like to see what Sam Mustfer can do in terms of keeping that line intact and not allowing pressure up the middle, especially now that you have Andy Dalton there, who's obviously not as mobile as a Justin Fields.
0: Good points there, Mason. All right, just a quick announcement for people looking for a cool way to spend New Year's. Rizzo's Bar and Inn, located in the heart of Wrigleyville, is hosting a New Year's Eve party. They'll have premium open bar, appetizer buffet, live DJ, um, champagne toast, giveaways, and plenty of other things. And how you can get in on that and bear with me. And I'm also going to post it here if you're watching. So you'll see what I'm about to say here on the on the podcast, you can go to Rizzo's N Y E dot Eventbrite B-R-I-T-E, dot com slash question mark A F F equal sign Nicholas Moriano. I'm not going to repeat that, so you have to just re rewind this portion of the podcast or look right there on the screen. Go to that and check out um what Rizzo's Bar and Inn has for a New Year's party, if that's what you're you're into and looking for, and Hey, maybe I might be there. I don't know yet, but check it out. And like I said, not repeating it. <laughs> and So we'll we'll move on there. Mason, um, you know, I didn't ask you about, you know, your segment, and we usually do who has the edge and then your segment, but do you have one for today? Are we gonna even compare Bears and, and Lions players with this one? No, I didn't I did <laughs> maybe I didn't compare that. Yes, oh, yes, God. I was hoping. Yeah, so um
1: some of so so it's just gonna be comparing, you know poop to poop and then some of it's <laughs> going to be comparing and the, that's the thing and the bears do have good players that's the thing that's so frustrating yeah. i'm not going to ask you who do you prefer right uh jaylen johnson or jacobs or aru waria R- 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 i who the two corners for the lions i'm not going to ask you to compare you know harris and akora to Khalil mack or robert quinn like i'm not going to ask you to compare reeves Mabin to roquan smith they have good <laughs> The bears have good players they're just run terribly
0: good all right so we you will not get to hear that. like maybe maybe next time but let's just go to who has the edge then so we have we'll do it next week cardinals are more fun we'll do it next week the cardinals is a, a way better team to do it and maybe the bears might have a victory after this week so we'll see um who has the edge now bears rushing attack versus the lions rushing defense mason i'll throw this one to you first who do you got between this match of bears rushing attack and the lions rush defense i mean
1: i'm still gonna go with the bears rushing attack there hasn't been anyone that's really stopped to them per se yet uh if anything it's been more the Bears stopping themselves just not giving the ball to david montgomery and to uh you know and to Killer herbert so and we talked about that too the bears o-line blocks very well for the run. They just don't do it for the pass, uh, for a multitude of reasons. So it's yeah, Bears rushing offense has the edge. All
0: right. I have the Bears passing attack versus the Lions pass defense. And man, just watching and you know, I watched a little bit of the Browns Lions game. That one I know Bears games are brutal to watch, but that one was tough to watch too. Obviously it was Tim Boyle at quarterback. But, and like Baker Mayfield just makes the, the Browns offense look inept at times too. Just missing passes. And that's why I think you saw, I forgot who it was for the, for the Lions who had an interception, but it was thrown right to him, So it's not like it was really the Lions making things happen, but even with Andy Dalton in at quarterback, I think the bears still have the edge here in terms of what they can accomplish in this game on Thursday. It's not like you're putting in. A, a rookie with no experience. You're putting in a guy who has a lot of experience, and it seemed like when he's in there, the offense it generated points last week or on, on Sunday. Uh, again, one was a quick screen pass where Darnell Mooney did mo- most of the work, and a, you know a nice deep pass to Marquise Goodwin. But th- it's not like with Annie Dalton's going in, and the Bears' offense is just going to be you know non-existent. It very well could be, but I-, I think the Bears still have the edge in that one. All right, we have the Bears rushing defense versus the lions rushing offense. Mason, who do you have?
1: The, the Lions' running backs are good, but they're more pass catching. Um, so it's not, it's, it's just just more how they're used versus their actual skill level. Um, and even though the bears are going to be missing, you know, Akeem Hicks, they're going to be missing, obviously, Coyle Mack. They're going to be missing an Eddie Jackson, which could be an improvement because he's not very good at tackling. Um, in terms of the run defense specifically, uh, they still have some guys. I mean, when you watch what Roquan Smith, you know, what I think it was 17 tackles last game. When you see what Robert Quinn was doing in terms of his pursuit, when you see the effort that's put in, um, by a a Trev's Gibson, by, you know, by a Tashawn Gibson, things, things of that nature, they'll be able to stop the run. Uh, that's not where the concern lies for me.
0: No, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, seeing what Roquan Smith was able to do and seeing also Eddie Goldman. Now I think becoming more of, a, you know, Eddie playing still. more, yep. Playing more of his role and what he's good at. I think that really makes it tough to to run on this, this bears defense. Last but not least, I have the bears passing defense versus the Lions passing offense. And I still think despite this is not Matthew Stafford, obviously anymore. And he hasn't looked too good these past two weeks with the Rams. Um, Yeah. Jared Goff is not somebody that, that scares me but we just saw tyler huntley do some some pretty good things against this bears passing or this bears defense and really targeting kindle vildor so there there are areas to target but it's it's the lions man i'm still taking the bears on this one and i know like maybe last last Sunday's showing with tyler huntley could be an indication of where this bears defense is trending but I do you think this like we were talking about earlier is a rebound week for this defense in terms of playing a, maybe a complete game and that is going to involve stopping the passing attack so i'm going bears there all right um mason do we have any over unders for the game if not we go
1: i i didn't grab any of the over-unders it's I, they were not fun <laughs> it <was>, there's <laughs> the numbers were really low on both sides um it just yeah it wasn't really good to fun to, to talk about
0: I don't blame you at all because, again, where it's just Tuesday, we're doing the preview I Usually, we have two more days, and it's a three and seven team and a oh nine and one team on Thanksgiving. So, let's just go to bold predictions then. And I'm going to make mine up right on the spot right now. I say that Darnell Mooney has 160 receiving yards and two touchdowns in this one kind of building off of what he did uh, just on Sunday. And again, not, not maybe wide receiver one material, but maybe trending in that direction, but he has a good game on Sunday. What about you, Mason?
1: Uh, my bold prediction, and I only have one for this week. Sorry to disappoint everybody in the chat and listening to the (laughs) podcast. Uh, my bold prediction is Andy Dalton throws at least two interceptions. Uh, we talked about this a little bit at the top. There were a couple of passes that were just errant from Andy, and that could just be a little bit of rust. Um, whatever the case may be, but it just looks funky. I think the lines are going to come in energized. Uh, to, it's a division game. It's on Thanksgiving. They see a wounded you know, team shambling in here after five losses in a row. Uh, they're going to be punting. Um, we know that the line is questionable at times for sure. So, you know, it could just simply be a, a hit. Then all of a sudden there's a wobbly ball that gets picked. Things of that nature. Cliff, come okay. on now. So disappointed. Like, do you, what are we thinking right now? Come on now. <laughs> uh, well, Hey,
0: I mean, with the way this is trending, I probably should have gone with more of a, uh, a negative look because that's, that's exactly what the bears have been doing to us as viewers and for fans and things like that. So um, we go to now our prediction for the most valuable bear i can't say justin fields this week because he is not playing so uh i think when it's all said and done i think the most next the next logical choice for me is actually going to be robert quinn for the most valuable bear because he's been on a roll three and a half sacks against the ravens on sunday a guy that had a favorable matchup the first time he played pen a i know the rookie has gotten better since then but robert quinn's on a roll and he just sounded, and real quick, like in his press conference after that Ravens game, he took it to heart, man. He really did. He just sounded so down about the the outcome of the game. And I, and I know he still wants to, you know, show what he's capable of. And this probably isn't nearly what he viewed as when he signed with the Bears, even though he flipped a coin to get here. Like, this is not what he probably thought was going to happen. So I think Robert Quinn's going to be the most valuable Bear when it's all said and done. Mason, who do you got?
1: Uh, I don't think this is going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Annie Dalton will move the offense, and people will get all excited and da da da. da, But they're not going to get into the end zone consistently. Therefore, Cairo Santos will come out. He had a good number of kicks. You know, he's gonna. If anything, maybe Nagy or and Tabor specifically, because Tabor is obviously going to be more in charge to be like, hey, let's get a swagger back a little bit, get him back, you know, confident in that and. He'll end up putting up, like, three, four field goals in this game.
0: I like it. And, you know, this is a guy that's coming off of a miss, a 40-yard uh, field goal miss uh, against the Ravens. So seeing him just kick a few footballs through the uprights there will be good to see. All right, Mason, we've been talking, and somehow we're about to get to an hour. Like, I don't know how this happens sometimes. But um, who do you have winning? Who's winning this game? Thanksgiving, like, Prime. Time, not really prime time, but 11, 11, 15, 11, 30, whenever this kickoff is, who's winning this game between the bears and lions.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the lions winning it, uh, for a lot of the reasons we said, it's just, when I look at, there's two games that stand out in me for, for example, for Andy Dalton, right? Cause I think in the day, it's about scoring points. Like we know the bears defense is going to show up enough that you could win a game with, with that. Um, but is it, the offense is the question mark. And you, I look at the Rams game and I look at the Bengals game, you know, obviously the Bengals game, he didn't finish, but at the beginning of that Bengals game, he looked good. He was able to scramble a couple times. One of which led to an injury Marched down the field, put up some points, but even within that, it was, it was still a little like, bleh. <laughs> it wasn't explosive. You were like trotting down the field. You weren't marching down the field versus on the other end of that spectrum when it was bad like when it was the rams game and they just got embarrassed right and they just couldn't put up any points at all they couldn't move the ball you know the Lions are not the rams defense we know that don't even we're not saying that i am not saying that but what i'm saying though is if that's the bad end and we saw the good end be the Bengals game that's still not good (laughs) that's that's very average then on top of that we talked about the emotion we talked about the Lions literally haven't won a game yet they don't have anything to lose. The coaching staff is has nothing to lose because they this is their first year. Uh, you know, mixed in with this, Jared Goff's got going to have a chip on his shoulder after missing last week, and obviously the comments that have been there. And Jared Goff has consistently beaten the Bears when he was a part of the Rams organization. And we talked about it when the smoke goes fire. There's some dissent going on in that locker room. I don't care how many players; it doesn't have to be 80 percent against it. Even if you have just 10, 20 percent of the locker room who's just not feeling it that's going to show up on the field it's going to spread you know and then you have a snowball effect so it's it's going to be like 21 to 16 lions.
0: all right i i don't know if i'm surprised because again the bears are not they're not a good football team right now but it's the lions i do have the bears actually winning this one by the crazy score of 17 to 13, a low scoring boring. The bears don't really, this win doesn't help them in any way in terms of what you want to see out of the team for making progress because they're barely being the lions. But I do have the bears winning this one 17 to 13. I just think like we, we were talking about it, Mason, like in for your segment, like we shouldn't be like the bears have good players. They have, bears have better players. Can they just put it together against a bad football team, the Lions? And I just think they do that for at least this week to, again, silence some of the noise that's kind of going on. All right, confidence in this game. Like I said, I had 17 13. I'll give the Bears a six. Maybe that's a little too high, but I think the Bears do take care of business. It's only because they're playing the Lions. Anybody else that this, if this Thursday game would have been, I wouldn't be feeling that confident. What's your confidence, Mirror Mason?
1: I'm gonna give it a, a five. Um, right smack dab in the middle. I mean, it could really go either way. The lines are not good, but it, it's amazing how the mental game and how the emotional game can be a part of it. And clearly, the Bears are just have a lot of turbulence going on around them. Uh, having a news report like this come out too that we, we saw today doesn't help that. Uh, either the players can, if they're really pro Nagy, if they're pro their team, all that, you know, fight for each other, they could rally around that and say, all right, well, let's show them. Or it could bring them down. It's, it's really either way could work. Um, you know, obviously the bears have had the lines number, not just in the Nagy area, but just in general recently. Uh, but there's, there's a man, Yeah. There's nothing else to say. It's just a, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of Thanksgiving games, to be completely honest, for when the Bears play. Just just never have been a fan. Um, but I, I have, like I said, my conference was, was a six, and I'll leave it at that. But kind of final thoughts on this one. Really, I would say for people who are going to be watching this game, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Like, enjoy the people that are around you and don't put so much effort into what ends up happening in this one because really – you it shouldn't you shouldn't be it's just not a good way to utilize your time like i'm gonna definitely well it's a little early to be starting thanksgiving dinner at 11 and even when it ends it's still a little early but do other things with your time i think that's my dog that's trying to get into the door so perfect time for for me to stop talking mason what we kind of leave us with as we are two days away from bears lions in
1: detroit yeah it's man don't I've said it time and time again, this whole year is about progress and the biggest progression that the bears can make. They can't this game because Justin Fields isn't playing. He can't, he can't learn by doing Um, he's not even going to be, you know, he's not going to be dressed more likely than not. Uh, It'll be, I assume he'll travel with the team still. So that'll be interesting, but there's no reason. I mean, obviously you can't have it on the background, but you know, enjoy your, enjoy your Turkey, whatever you're doing. I'm going to be making a turducken for the first time ever. So I'm, hoping that goes well. So I'm going to have to have one eye on three different birds. And then, you know, the other eye on the TV. So, and if as Jamari, uh, guessed the score is three to two, we will be doing a 10 minute podcast.
0: Oh, that, that'd be even less like a field goal. That was it. That's all you need to know. We're out. But hey, thank you everybody for tuning in to this preview show. I know it's a little tough to really digest anything that has to do with the Chicago bears. But like Mason and I said, we hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. You'll be hearing from us after the game, whatever the score is. And definitely going to be a short podcast uh, for that one. But, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're following Mason on Twitter at WestSportsPT. Follow myself on Twitter at Nicholas Moriano. And, of course, it's Chicago Audible on all of our social media platforms. But until next time. Bear Down Chicago.